0: What a privilege it is for me to open God's Word with you this morning. And as we gather for worship on this particular Thanksgiving weekend, I'd like us to begin our time in God's Word by turning to one of the great biblical hymns of praise found in the book of Psalms. Psalm 118 is the last in a small group of psalms often sung at Israel's great faith festivals, including the Passover. It's also noteworthy because of its interesting position, nestled as it is between the shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117, and the longest chapter, Psalm 119. And by some twist of fate, verses 8 and 9 of this psalm lie at the exact center by verse count of our English Bibles. So store that one away for some future game of Bible trivia. By the way, in case you're curious, those two verses at the center of our English Bibles, verses 8 and 9, read as follows. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What great wisdom that passage holds for us as Christ followers here at ACAC and around the country as we prepare to wade into yet another presidential election year where partisan politicians of every flavor will seek to portray themselves as the ones to save us from the losers on the other side. So in this upcoming year, brothers and sisters, Let's commit together that we're going to heed the wisdom of the psalmist and take refuge in the Lord rather than placing our trust either in men or in princes. Oh, We'll go down that path another day. This morning, I I want to return to this idea that Psalm 118 is essentially a psalm of praise. (coughs) And to help us embrace that aspect of the psalm this day, would you please stand? Let's read together. This first verse and 24th verse. Familiar verses from this psalm. Starting in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And then skipping down to verse 24 of the same psalm. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You may be seated. Well, these verses call for people to beginning to give thanks, and they end with rejoicing and gladness. <clears throat> Last weekend, our guest speaker, Jason Esposito, took us on a journey from anxiety to peace. So on on this holiday weekend, I'd like to take us on another journey in the scriptures, but, but turn our focus this time to Yet a different gift that God intends for his people to walk in, the gift of joy. The title of our study today is Give Thanks, Discover Joy. And the big idea is this, no matter where we are in life, the road to joy always runs through thanksgiving. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, in these moments, uh, we want to come not to receive information, Lord, but we want to come asking you for transformation. That's a work only your Holy Spirit can do in our hearts. So, Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would be present among us. Use this time that we spend thinking, studying your word. Use this time to change us to be more like Jesus. That's our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the famous Christian thinker, C.S. Lewis, once described joy as, quote, the serious business of heaven. I like that. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more convinced I am that Lewis wasn't overstating the case. For everywhere we turn in the scriptures, we encounter this reality. The life of those who trust in Jesus is a life that should be marked by joy. The psalmist said it in the text we read earlier. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus said it centuries later. He promised this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And even later, the Apostle Paul encouraged the church with these words, rejoice in the Lord always, he wrote. And again, I say, rejoice, Philippians 4. Joy, it's everywhere you look in the scriptures there are at least 430 direct references to those words, joy, joyful, rejoice. I remember early in my walk with the Lord encountering this kind of joy in the most unusual of places. The occasion was a funeral for a teenage boy named Kevin who had spent most of the years of his tragically short life, battling a degenerative health condition. But Kevin hadn't spent his time on this earth wallowing in victimhood. And you never left his presence without feeling strangely encouraged. For Kevin knew and loved Jesus, as did his parents and younger siblings. And he faced death with full confidence that his future in eternity was bright. was a young man in my mid-twenties at the time, Kevin's funeral service was unlike any I had ever witnessed. Amidst the tears, there was genuine rejoicing. In the shadow of death, hope was everywhere. For I consider, wrote the Apostle Paul, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the weight of glory that's to be revealed to us, Romans 8. Joy, even in the midst of suffering, had marked Kevin's life. And as unnatural as it sounds, that same joy filled the church sanctuary in the wake of his death. Well, our close encounters with this kind of God-given joy, can't help but leave a mark. And I have to think the same was true of the Samaritan woman who was approached by Jesus at a well outside her village. Some of you will remember the story. It was just the two of them at at the water well, and their conversation started rather awkwardly. Jesus had asked the Samaritan woman for a favor. Would she draw water from the well for him to drink? Understandably, she pushed back. Socially speaking, Jesus was way out of line. For Jews and Samaritans weren't on speaking terms. But their initial words led to a, a deeper conversation. Where, where the wounds in this woman's heart were laid bare. She, she was in fact a very broken person. Social outcast, even in her own community. But into her brokenness, Jesus brought the unexpected hope of a spirit born joy. Everyone, no, wrong slide. There we are. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, Jesus said, referring to the water from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Brothers and sisters, what a beautiful picture of the spiritual gift Jesus longs to give all of us who follow him, joy like a, a spring of water bubbling up and overflowing and touching everything and everyone around us. And you get the sense that Jesus kind of considered this to be the normal Christian life, don't you? Unfortunately, if we're honest, it's often not we, what we normally see and experience. Many years ago, I was scheduled to speak to a team of missionaries serving in a place overseas that that was just a hard place. My job was just to speak encouragement to the team and hopefully to feed them spiritually at their annual retreat. Well, a godly couple from our congregation had just returned from this particular field after several months of service there. So as part of the preparation for my trip, I asked this couple, what did they see was the greatest need among that missionary team? Without hesitation, the woman replied, joy. Life is hard for the people in that place. And it just seems like even among the Christians, there's no joy. And the missionaries themselves are so overworked and exhausted by the hardships there that even though they work so faithfully to serve, there's too little joy in their service. I think the people of that place desperately need to see living examples of joy. Well, I wasn't expecting that. When I visited myself, I I could understand what she was talking about. However, that that same issue just isn't in the hard places over there, is it? We see that right here as well. One Christian writer wrote of the absence of joy here in our own culture. He said, everyone wants it, but no one seems to have it. I wonder if that describes any of us in this room or maybe listening online. Desperately wanting to experience that real joy, the joy that Jesus spoke of. But finding it just seems to be somewhere out there just beyond our grasp. Well, today we want to consider the believer's journey on the road to joy. How do we make progress on that road? And how do we discover the gift of joy we read about them in the scriptures in a way that it becomes our experience in everyday life. Well, let's begin with some clarity about this joy we're talking about. <clears throat> because many are, pros to, uh, are prone to confuse our human emotion of happiness with biblical joy, when in fact they're two very different things. The former... Worldly happiness can be characterized as a fleeting feeling that's usually tied to the ever changing circumstances of our lives. We tend to pursue things that make us feel good and and bring us happiness, and there's nothing wrong with that. Look, I love to spend time with my three year old grandson. Unfortunately, he lives in Philadelphia. And I don't get to see him as much as I like. But, but even seeing Preston on FaceTime and hearing him say, I love you, Pappy. It just lights me up. It's my happy place. I love that feeling. But unfortunately, today fades into tomorrow and new life circumstances of a new day take center stage and those happy feelings fade. The reality is that our happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. Interestingly, there have been some scientific studies done on the subject of happiness. One such study focused on the winners of big lottery jackpots. I mean, talk about a life-changing, happy circumstance and experience, right? But guess how long it took for the happiness levels felt by those big jackpot winners to return to the same level as before they bought the lucky Powerball ticket. Well, at least the researchers in this study learned it, it took about a year for that to happen. Those outward feelings of happiness just don't have a long shelf life. But the joy we're speaking of today is different, for biblical joy is not just another fleeting human emotion. Rather, joy's been described this way, been described as a deep seated and inner gladness and assurance that ignites a cheerful heart. I like that. A deep seated inner gladness and assurance that ignites a cheerful heart, which in turn leads to cheerful behavior. Joy is dependent not on our outward circumstances, but rather on a deep inner sense of well-being in the heart of a person who knows it is well with my soul. Joy is a gift from God and a fruit of His Holy Spirit alive in you. And despite what the prosperity teachers might say, While Jesus did say his joy would be with us, he didn't promise his followers a lifetime of happy circumstances. He was quite clear about this. Jesus said that his followers would experience trials and persecution in this life. Not exactly words I associate with happiness. But even so, the apostle James could write... Count it all joy, my brethren, when you face trials of various sorts. Count it all joy when you face trials. James 1, 2. Even in the midst of life's trials, we can discover Jesus' gift of joy bubbling up from within. So armed with this understanding, what practical steps can we take today? to move along, move forward in this road to joy. Well, let me suggest two old-school worship choruses that might help us take the first step. For all who would know the joy of the Lord is my strength must first learn to give thanks with a grateful heart. Discovering joy begins with a recognition that the road to joy always runs through thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, wrote the psalmist in Psalm 100. In a very real sense, our gift of thanks opens the door to receive his gift of joy. Only as we enter his gates with thanksgiving do we position ourselves for such an exchange. The road to joy runs through thanksgiving. Centuries after the psalmist wrote these words, the Apostle Paul amplified the thought for believers in the early church. He wrote this. He wrote this. (laughs) He wrote this. Always be thankful, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, some Bible translations render this verse as, Give thanks in all circumstances. No, we're not told to give thanks for all circumstances. We're not told to give thanks for cancer, or for war, or for injustice. But we can give thanks in all circumstances, for even in the midst of the worst this world can offer, God is still good. As the expression goes, He is good all the time, and all the time, what? He is good. The late Christian author Corey Ten Boom learned to give thanks even as a prisoner in a Nazi tran- concentration camp. Surrounded by death and despair, have you positioned yourself to receive joy by always learning to give thanks? A pastor, how does a person do that? you might ask. How does somebody learn to always give thanks in all circumstances? Well let me suggest three practical ways you can begin to cultivate that kind of a grateful heart. Practical, simple things first. Make it your practice to get specific about the good gifts for which you are thankful today. Make it your practice to get specific. You see, it's one thing to know that every good and perfect gift is from above, James 1.17, but it's another thing altogether to thank your heavenly Father for each and every one of those gifts in your life today and every day. I was speaking with someone this week who is familiar with counseling processes used to help those recovering from various forms of addiction. He told me that one common tool used in such situations is something they call a gratitude journal. Now a gratitude journal is just like a prayer journal except that it's just a record of the things for which you're thankful to God. Not just a list of your prayer requests, the things that you're asking for from God. What a great idea. What specifically are you thankful for today? Maybe write it down. Share it with your spouse or uh, someone close to you then offer it back to God as a prayer of thanksgiving. I'd like to suggest that we all take one day this week and keep a gratitude journal. Write down every good gift that we see in our lives throughout the course of that day. And then share it with someone close to you and also with God. Second, what can we do to grow in our spirit of thanksgiving. How about this? In addition to daily giving thanks for the things God has done, why not ask the Holy Spirit to help you see and acknowledge His good gifts as you're experiencing them in the moment? Learn to practice the presence of God in the moment. Recently, when I arrived home, it was already dark on a cold, clear night. And and I was greeted by a sky already ablaze with stars. And in that moment, the first words that came to my mind and my lips were the words of that great old hymn. "O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. What if that type of experience became the norm for my day and your day? Lord, thank you for the, the, the beautiful fall leaves on that tree as we pass. Lord, thank you for that delightful conversation as, as we shake hands and, and part. I'm a tea drinker. Many of you are coffee addicts in the room, and maybe your Thanksgiving could start with that first cup of coffee. Lord, thank you for the smell of that coffee. The smell. What if our hearts were so attuned to the moment that Thanksgiving became a spontaneous activity? Do you think we might be better positioned to discover God's joy? So we can get specific about naming God's good gifts and we can learn to practice his presence in the moment. Finally, third way we can cultivate a grateful heart may seem obvious, but I think it's, it's amazing how easily we forget. If you want to learn to give thanks, ask God to help you stop doing the opposite. In recent weeks, we've talked a lot about being unoffendable. Stop harboring offense in our hearts toward others by being quick to ask God for the grace to extend forgiveness. And and even more basic than that, stop grumbling and complaining. Don't take my word for it. Take it straight from the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul wrote this, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Philippians chapter 2. I've always appreciated the straightforward and practical way James scolded his, the readers of his letter about their speech. He said, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James chapter 3. Well, can I suggest we apply that same approach to commingling our complaining with thanksgiving? Gratitude and griping from the same lips... Brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be so. Let's put a grumble watch on our hearts and tongues. Now listen, I'm speaking to myself here, even as I'm sharing this with all of you. And I hope we can agree that going through life as one who is quick to complain, to grumble, or especially as as one of those chronic complainers, you know, you can't go to a restaurant without sending something back to the kitchen. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't set us up well to discover God's joy. So the first step on the road to joy is a call to give thanks with a grateful heart. We'll find that we are better positioned to receive God's gift of joy by first choosing to enter his gates with thanksgiving. But a second step is equally important. Consider this. Ultimately, our experience of joy is found not in its pursuit as an end in itself, but in a person. Our experience of joy is found not in his good gifts, but in the presence of the giver. Long before the birth of Jesus, King David would say of God, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16. And the coming of the Lord Jesus only brought his presence near, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Colossians 1. So here's the point to remember. As you cultivate a heart of thanksgiving for all God's good gifts, let your gratitude for the gift draw you closer to the giver. If you want more joy, get more of Jesus, for the joy is found in his presence. In other words, church, done well, our thanksgiving should take us beyond the goodness of the gift itself and help us to better see the goodness of the giver. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now, let me illustrate this with a family story that some of you may relate to as we're now officially in the Christmas season, I guess. Gift-giving has always been a significant part of the celebration of Christmas in my family and in my wife Lynn's family. But in some significant ways, our celebration of those traditions were very different You see, in my family growing up, our Christmas tradition would find me and my siblings all waking up early and opening all of our gifts under the tree before my parents ever got out of bed. In later years, when the family gathered, we would sort all the packages into piles of presents in front of each person. And then at the word go, everyone would start to open their gifts simultaneously, one right after the other. Lost in the flurry of activity and torn wrappings was any celebration of the giver. Instead, the focus was primarily on the gifts themselves. But in my wife's family, they've always taken a very different approach to Christmas gifts. You see, in Santum family gatherings, each gift is opened one at a time. And when it's your turn to open a gift, you unwrap it and and express your light. But then, and and this is mandatory, you walk across the room to thank the giver and do so with a big hug and a kiss Only then can you return to your seat and the next gift be opened. Now, do you see the difference? In the Santum family, the focus is on the giver of the good gift. And the opening of each gift just provides another occasion to celebrate that giver. Done this way, the whole gift-giving event takes forever, but it, beautifully, but it beautifully draws people into closer relationship with one another. At least that's how it works in theory. In practice, our human failings can get in the way and throw a clunker in there sometimes. That's what happened to me the Christmas after our oldest child, Derek, was born. Now, I have to confess... <clears throat> I'm not the most thoughtful gift giver in our family. And on that Christmas, after Derek was born, my wife, Lynn, was still, she was still trying to lose some of her baby weight. And I guess you could say um, I was just oblivious to how that might make a young mom feel. So when I went shopping for Lynn that year, I did what I thought a loving husband should do. I went looking for something personal for my wife, not practical. I mean, rather than get her a vacuum cleaner or something, I bought her a new dress that just caught my eye. Now, there were some books out back then to help fashion challenge guys like me. Dress for Success was one. Another was Flattering Your Figure. Unfortunately, I hadn't read any of them. So the personal gift I wrapped for my wife that year (laughs) was a hot little stretchy form-fitting dress in a pattern that featured big, bold, horizontal stripes. In short, it had everything you could ever want to help the woman you love look and feel heavier than she really <laughs> is. <clears throat> now, the best way I could describe the expression on Lynn's face as she opened that box and held up the dress, I, I really searched for the right word. Best I could come up with was um, aghast. <laughs> Lynn was aghast when she opened that gift. She didn't even try it on, to, just kind of dropped it. And instead, with, she said with all the sweetness she could muster, Honey, I hope you still have the gift receipt. <laughs> now, as you probably guessed, I didn't get the customary Santum hug and kiss for that one, nor did that gift of that hot little dress bring us any closer on that Christmas day. In fact, my son Derek is now 34 years old, and I still hear about that dress every holiday season. But listen, every illustration has its limitations. Thankfully, brothers and sisters, unlike my gifts, God's gifts are always good. He never gives clunkers. So in his case, we can always allow our gratitude for the gift to draw us closer to him. And in doing so, position ourselves in ever-increasing measure to discover his joy. Give thanks, church. Discover joy. May the Lord fill your hearts with gratitude for all of his good gifts in the weeks ahead. And in that spirit of thanksgiving, may your soul be drawn closer to the giver. For in his presence, in the presence of the giver, that's where the joy is discovered. Let's bow our heads. Father, you want for us to experience this joy. Jesus promised it. It's a gift of this Holy Spirit. But, Lord, it comes from time spent in your presence. It is a gift from you. We can't do it apart from you. We can't work it up apart from you. So in this season, Lord, would you help us to take those first steps, develop that heart of gratitude. Help us to enter your gates with thanksgiving. But then, Lord, will you draw our hearts in that thanksgiving. Draw our hearts into your presence to thankfulness for the giver. And in so doing, help every person in this room and watching me online discover new measures of your joy. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our service today, church, know that we're, we're going to try to keep this area of the, the uh, platform available for any of you who just might want to come up here to pray about whatever it is the Lord has on your heart. And um, if you're here today, and we're talking all about joy and discovering God's joy, as I mentioned, the discovery of joy really is about the discovery of a person. It's not a discovery of a thing. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never met him, you've never asked him into your life, you'll never know that gift that he has for you. You're here today and you want to begin that journey of walking with Jesus. I want to invite you to come up here after the service. I'll just be here on the platform and be glad to talk with you about how you can start that relationship with him. And with that, brothers and sisters, please stand for the benediction. And now, church family, as you leave today, may God fill your heart with thanksgiving. May he help you to see every good gift And may your heart well up with thanks for it. And as you do, may you discover the blessing of knowing the giver. And is his presence. Discover his joy. God bless you. Have a great week walking with the king.